God, we just thank you that we have such an honor and a privilege this morning. There, there's so much going on in this world, and, and even right now there are people who are struggling just to find a place to worship you, but we, at least those of us on this side of the globe that are, are able to meet this morning, are able to do so freely. God, we thank you that we don't have to hide and and we don't have to, to find secret places to, 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 to praise your name. We thank you so much that, that we are able to wake up in the morning and we, there's a level of safety and comfort that we have been blessed to enjoy. So God, we give you thanks. We, we give you praise. We give you all the honor and all of the glory. And in this moment, God, we pray that you come and you receive your glory. May everything about today, I know there is so much going on, but may everything about today, may everything about our lives, Father, be holy and solely about you. So God, help us in this moment to be focused on your word. And so thus far, we have had the opportunity to pray. We have had the opportunity to commune. We've, we've had the opportunity to sing songs of praise unto you and fellowship even in the hallways and in the pews. But God, right now, we want to ask you to just guide our thoughts and take hold and control of our hearts that uh, this word, Father, would be one that would bless us uh, from now and for forevermore. So be with us, bless us, and keep us. For this is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. We all say, Amen. 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 You may have your seats. As I thought about the message on today, uh, I'm really hoping that this could be something that's so simple, so simple that you could look at this and you could say, you know, he, he just preached such a simple message this morning, but it's so simple, even though it's that simple, I just want it to be a word of encouragement that everyone could go away just, 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 just magnified. I want everyone to go away just mindful of the God that we serve and, and who we are in relation to that God. I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we would recognize that there are many questions that, that we ask ourselves. We would recognize that there are many questions that, that people ask throughout their entire lives. And uh, you, you think about the fact that when we go through trouble, one of the, the big questions that people of, often ask themselves when we encounter difficulty and we go through distresses is, why me? And so you think about the fact that when it is we find ourselves going through our seasons, one of the, the big questions we ask is, why me? When you're really young, at least you, you begin to, to show uh, signs of accountability. You begin to maybe ask yourself the question, what do I want to be? Or even people would ask you the question from time to time, what do you want to be in life, it's, it's interesting that we often have the ability or we think it's, it's good of us to ask a, a six-year-old and a seven-year-old, what do you want to be in life? They don't even understand for themselves who they are really just yet. But the idea is if we could instill in them the, the awareness of the future, the idea is they could begin to think about the process and in thinking about the process, maybe along the way with guidance from the parents and of course guidance from, from teachers, maybe along the way they may, they may fall into some type of image of who they want to be in the future. 
If we are honest with ourselves, every single one of us may at one point, if not still, every single one of us generally asks ourselves the question from time to time, who am I? And I need for us to appreciate this because I want this, like I said before, to be an exhortation of sorts. And so we won't spend a lot of time really going through every single text. As a matter of fact, I only have three texts that I want us to consider. But I want us to appreciate that when we think about identity, identity is a complex thing. There is no one thing, if you think about it from a very human standpoint, and, and I know we're going to deal with the, 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 the spiritual side in just a little bit. We're going to deal with scripture in just a little bit. But I want us to appreciate from a very humanistic approach, identity is complex. On the one hand, if you're married, your identity is tied to the fact that you are married. On the other hand, depending on your, your job or, or your status, your identity is somewhat tied to your job or to your status. You, you might be going to school right now, so your identity is tied to these numerous things that you encounter and you go through in your life. A lot of times, we, 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 our identity is linked to the, to, the, to the physical things of this world, the way that we, we dress. Of course, you guys by now know that I have an accent. If, if you didn't know that before, now you know. But I need for us to understand, if, if, if you're with me already, even, even the way that you speak, your accent kind of leans into who you are as a person. People associate you and your identity even with your accent. If, if I were to begin to speak almost as a full-on Californian right now and I can't do it, you would think, even though I was black or, or I came from the Caribbean, you would think that I would have been born or raised on the west side. If I had the, 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 the New York-type accent, like my brother and, uh, and, and my two brothers in New York, one, one actually grew up more, more or less in Brooklyn, and so you know what I mean. There, there are certain accents that pervade throughout the U.S. Even though it's the United States of America, it would behoove you to recognize that there are some people that speak accents that we can't really understand. You, you, you go down to Louisiana. Anybody here from Louisiana? <laughs> you go down to Louisiana, and depending on where you're from in Louisiana, I'm telling you, even people from Louisiana don't understand people in Louisiana sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's, it, that's just how it goes, right? I, I, I spend the better part of three and a half years in, in, in rural Arkansas, Searcy, Arkansas. Uh, I, I just said Searcy. You might say Searcy, Searcy, Arkansas. And I, I, I'll tell you, right there in, in Searcy, Arkansas, I, I'll tell you there are some people I couldn't understand as much as they couldn't understand me, but we, we were both speaking supposedly perfect English. But the point I'm trying to make, not trying to make too light of it, but I, I hope you're, you're with me and you're tracking where I'm going with this. There, there are aspects of identity that is just so complex. Really, there is no one thing that we could pinpoint. If we're thinking from a physical standpoint, there is really no one thing that we could point to and say, well, this is my, or this is what makes up my identity. For many of us who have driver's license or, or IDs, for many of us who have passports, the, the passport gives basically your name, it, it says where you were born, uh, it, it gives your date of birth, it gives some of the, 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 
the, the, the, you know, the, the overall fundamental aspects of who you are as a person. It, it, it tells somebody who you are and your nationality, but it really doesn't say who you are as a person. So on my passport, it would have Patterson Morgan, or I don't want to tell you my middle name. <laughs> but it, 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 it would say Patterson Morgan, right? It would say Patterson Morgan. Under nationality, it would say Trinidad and Tobago. Then it would give the date of birth, the, the age. I, I'm, I'm not ashamed of my age. I'll tell you right now, I'm 37. I'll be 38 in June, June 29th. All right, so I was born June 29th, 1984. And so it gives you some particulars as to what's his name, where he was born, uh, when he was born, and, and that type. But it doesn't tell you. If you were to just look at my passport, it doesn't really tell you who Patterson Morgan is as a person? Is he jovial? Is he serious? Is he social? Is he antisocial? Is he the type of person that, doesn't, that works well with others? Is he the type of person that is autocratic? It, it really doesn't tell you, just looking at the particulars, who this person really is. And so I'm, I'm saying that because I want to, 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 to hopefully create an introduction here for us to recognize that oftentimes we know the details and the particulars sometimes of who we are, but the thing we really struggle with is what really makes us tick. You ask Alex, what's your name? That's my seven-year-old. She would say, I am Alex Morgan. But if you were to ask her, well, who is Alex Morgan? She might struggle with that question. You guys with me now? You might ask an individual, uh, William Beard, uh, what, what's your name? William Beard. Well, okay, well, who really is William Beard? What makes William Beard tick? It's not enough for us to recognize the particulars in terms of who we are, when we were born, uh, and all that kind of stuff. We need to be able to go a little bit deeper in understanding what really makes us tick. So this question of identity and identification has always been an issue that mankind has struggled with, particularly, I would say this, particularly children of God, men and women of God struggle. Do you believe that? Men and women of God often struggle with the issue of identity. And let me say this really quick before we go into our first text, and I want to share this with you. Probably the reason why we struggle so much with our identity as men and women of God. Guys, don't fall asleep, all right? Don't, don't, don't give in to what Daniel said this morning. Probably the reason why we struggle so much with our identity as men and women of God is because we still ha are, are allowing ourselves to be bombarded and, and, and we are allowing the things of the world to define who we are. So when work is affected, our spiritual life takes a hit because our identity has been wrapped around our careers. You guys with me now? When, when, when things happen in the home and the marriage doesn't work the way that we wanted it to, our faith takes a hit, men and women of God. Our faith takes a hit because our entire identity was wrapped up in that marriage, when loved ones pass on and we love our loved ones, we, we struggle in our spiritual man and woman because our identities were wrapped up in the physical things. So oftentimes what the devil or the Satan, the Satan has to do is he, all he has to say to God is, Does these, do these individuals serve you for nothing? 
Let me touch their finances. Let me touch their surroundings. Let me touch their food in their cupboards. Let me touch their stability. And as soon as our stability physically becomes shaken, all of a sudden we don't know or we question who we are spiritually. So I just want to say this from the onset that many a times if, if we're not careful, we have a lot, of, a lot of Christians, a lot of men and women of God. Notice the language I'm using. We have a lot of men and women of God who don't know who their true identity is because our identities are still wrapped up in the physical things. Watch me on this. Come with me if you don't mind to the book of Jonah chapter 1. I want to try and do this really quickly. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah Chapter 1. And in Jonah chapter 1, let me just go through this really quick. I want you to make your way down to verse number 8 and 9. But let me just build up really, really quickly to give the context. Jonah gets this call, and we understand in Jonah chapter number 1, it gives us a little background into, into who Jonah was. Jonah, the son of, of, of Amittai, and, and we recognize that God calls Jonah almost immediately. And he tells Jonah, Jonah, I want for you to go into Nineveh, and I want for you to preach against the city there because their wickedness is great. So I need for you, Jonah, to go and speak a word to the people of Nineveh. No sooner did Jonah leave God's presence. God gave Jonah a commission and God gave Jonah a job. And no sooner did, jo did Jonah leave God's presence, the scripture says he makes his way down to find a boat, a boat that was heading in the exact extreme opposite direction than the one that God had told him to go to. God told him to go to Nineveh. He decided he was going to Tarshish. Tashish was as far in the opposite direction that Jonah could have gone from the actual direction and commission that God had given him. And as he gets into the boat, the, boat, the scripture tells us that they were able to launch from port. And as they had launched from port, they had launched far off enough in their journey to where God said, okay, it's time. I'm going to send a storm to rock this boat. And as the storm rocks the boat, you know this story all too well. This is found in Jonah chapter number one. I'm just trying to get to verse number eight. You know this story all too well. As the storm rocks the boat, they become so scared. The sailors, the mariners become so scared that they begin to pray to their several gods. But Jonah, if you remember this story all too well, Jonah is down in the belly of the ship and he is snoring. He is fast asleep. Don't miss this point right here because we have a contrast in the person of Jesus when him and his disciples were in the midst of the storm this one time and they are on top uh, and they are panicking but Jesus is, the, is, is in the belly of the boat and he's asleep. We have a contrast. Jesus is at peace because he is, in the, in, 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 he is following the will of God. Whereas Jonah who is not in God's way and not following God's will and commission, he is seemingly at peace with himself. Don't miss this. We think that every time for the child of God, every time we go against God's will, we find ourselves not having peace. But I need for us to appreciate something. If the child of God's conscience is shared or damaged to the extent that they no longer feel the pain of disobeying God, that even the child of God, when they walk contrary to God's will and way, they could become comfortable too. Huh. 
So I need for us to appreciate that every man and woman, every, let me put it this way because you're thinking, well, he's only talking Old Testament. Let me put it this way to you. Every baptized believer in the year 2022 is not, it, it, it doesn't always find themselves uncomfortable when we go contrary to God's will. And so Jonah had determined to disobey God, but notice in his determination, it's in, he's in the middle of a storm, in the middle of about everybody else in the world is panicking but Jonah. Jonah is fast asleep in the boat, knowing full well that he is in disobedience to God. What a dangerous place for a Christian to be. What a dangerous place for a man and woman of God to be. What a dangerous place for, for a believer to be when, when you're so comfortable walking in disobedience that it no longer troubles you, that, that you are ready to accept whatever comes your way in the sight of God. So Jonah has, has, has gone down into the ship, and you know the story all too well. He is dead asleep, and the mariners, these sailors come to him, and, and they ask him the question, what, 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 what is really going on with you? <laughs> Can't you see what's... What's going on? We need for you to get up. You, we, we don't know your name yet. We, we don't know where you're from. We, we don't know any of that, but, but we need for you to get up and call upon your God. And the very next verse would say that they decided that they were going to cast lots to see uh, who exactly was responsible for this calamity that was about to befall them. And the scripture says, no sooner did they cast these lots, did the lot fall upon Jonah. Verse number eight, they look to Jonah now and they ask Jonah a series of questions. Essentially, they're trying to figure out not just what his name is, but, but, but why exactly? What is it about you as a person that has allowed this calamity to befall us? Are you there in Jonah chapter number one and verse number eight? Could you read that for me? Jonah chapter one and verse number eight. Then the men said to Jonah, It is your fault that this terrible thing has happened, right? Go ahead. Listen to these series of questions. Tell us what you have done. What is your job? Where are you coming from? What is your country? Who are your people? It's a series of questions that's designed not just necessarily for them to identify who this man is, but to get a sense of, as, as to who really is this man and why is this thing happening to us. Let me say this really quick before we move on. Within the confines of what they're having to deal with is, is an issue, if, if, you know, for those of us who have done this before and have read this text before, they are having to, to navigate what is considered a, or what is called retribution theology. Retribution theology was the, the, the thinking and the mentality, let me, I'm trying to make it as simple as possible, that God will bless the righteous, but in contrast, he will curse the wicked. In other words, back in those days, and we, we still have some of that mentality that drives our thinking even today, when we see people going through hardship, we think, we think in ourselves, they must have done something. So they, are, they, are, they have this retribution theology or thinking in, in, in the forefront of their minds as they approach this man. And so they are thinking, well, listen, if we could get a little bit of understanding into who he is and what he has done, it is going to help us understand and appreciate why we are going through what we are going through. So clearly, 
The lots fall, fell on Jonah, so let's get some information about him. Like, like, who are you? What is your occupation? Where are you from? And who are your people? Look at the very next verse. The very next verse, verse number nine, would say this. Need for you to do quick. Jonah said to the men, I am a Hebrew. I am a Hebrew. I want you to appreciate Jonah's response. Because they asked Jonah several questions. But I want you to appreciate Jonah's response. He says, number one, I am a Hebrew. But then he says, and I worship the Lord God of the land and the sea. So they asked Jonah, what is your job? They asked Jonah, where are you from? They asked Jonah, who is your people? Jonah's response is, I am a Hebrew. They're trying to find out who the identity of this man, what's the identity of this man. Jonah didn't necessarily tell them where he was born. Jonah didn't necessarily tell them to whom he was born to. All Jonah said as he identified to them who he was and what he represented, he said, I am a Hebrew. And I feel like I could preach there for a little bit because I, I need for us to appreciate that Jonah is, 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 is saying something that is so pertinent for us as Christians today. I don't know about you, but growing up, I would have to fill out forms from time to time. And under uh, the form, it would sometimes have religion. And you're sitting there sometimes, and, and people will ask you, what is your religion? You would, you would simply say a Christian, and so now you have to sit down in front of an interviewer. And they asked you, well, I see you have Christian here. Well, what kind of Christian are you? I didn't know there, there were any, any other type but Christian. And I, I, you're laughing. But, but you know what I'm talking about. And, and the reason why that is is because we have all these hyphenated type of Christians. You know what I mean when I say hyphenated, right? Brad, can I be open? Can I be honest? And so when we ask people, well, when you say Christian, what type of Christian are you? To my knowledge, it's either I'm a faithful or unfaithful Christian. But what they really mean is because the world is so divided and everybody's kind of sectioned off into their own respective groups. What do you mean? Well, are you a, a, a Catholic Christian? Are you a Baptist Christian? Are you a Pentecostal? Or are you one of those individuals that are believers of the... Like, what type of Christian are you? I love the fact, I don't know if we still do it, but I love the fact that growing up, whenever people asked individuals, people in the church, like, what type of Christian are you? They would say, well, I didn't know that there was any other thing, but just a Christian. And maybe you might find a situation where you're asked to identify what type of Christian are you, and, and you, might, you might deem it necessary to try and clarify what that is, but a Christian is a Christian, and that's it, period. The reason why we have to explain what type of Christian we are is because we understand that there are people who follow different types of belief systems and doctrines and so forth and so forth. But notice, when Jonah was asked, who are you? When Jonah was asked, where do you come from? When Jonah was asked, who are your people and what, what country did you belong to? Jonah didn't answer all that. Jonah said, listen, I want you to know I am a Hebrew. The mere fact that Jonah could say, I was a Hebrew, and notice, even in Jonah's day and age, the Hebrew people were separated into sects. You had Pharisees, you had Sadducees, you had scribes, you had all these different types of sects. But Jonah said, I am a Hebrew. 
Church, if I were to ask you right now, what type of Christian are you? Would you say just Christian? Or do you often find yourself trying to justify the group to which, of which you meet? Well, I'm a Church of Christ Christian. I want to say this. This might sound weird coming from a preacher who preaches in a Church of Christ. If you find it necessary to lead with, I'm a Church of Christ Christian, maybe you haven't understood the assignment just yet. Leave that alone, Brother Morgan. Leave that alone. So it's not that we ought to find the need to try and clarify what type of Christian we are. The last time I checked, we are just... You get in this, Daniel? There's no need to try and make the distinction. That's a man-made thing. That's because of worldliness. That's because of everything that is fleshly. You and I and all those in the world that are followers of Jesus Christ, that are adherents to the gospel. Listen to me and listen to me well. You might have Church of Christ on the door, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the Church of Christ meets here. Let me let that soak in for five seconds, and I'll ask the question again. Maybe we could... They might, have church of, they might be Church of Christ on the door. But it doesn't always indicate that the Church of Christ, the Church that belongs to Christ, meets in that place. So it's not the name. I hope I'm not rubbing anybody the wrong way. Am I offending anybody? Please come and talk to me after. Don't run to the elders for the elders to come and talk to me. Come and talk to me. <laughs> Let's, let's talk theology. Let, let's do this the right way. If you have an issue, I'm, I'm being serious right now. I'm not kidding. If you have an issue, please come talk to me. Don't, don't run to the elders. Because you're, you're, if that's what you're doing, you're dealing with this from a, a very worldly perspective. They're not my boys. I work alongside with them. They are accountable for me. As elders, just as they were accountable to them as well, they, they, they have oversight. But I need for us to realize this is not a, 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 a boss and employee type of relationship. We're all accountable for each other as we try to make our way to heaven. So I'm being dead serious. If you have an issue, whether Morgan is more than capable and always willing to have those discussions. Please understand what I'm saying. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the name on the door is. If the people who are meeting under that roof right. or in that place aren't truly identified as people of God. You could have a biblically designated name, but if you're not following scripture, that name means nothing. That's all I want to get back. So when you look at Jonah, notice what Jonah does. Jonah says, he says, I want you to appreciate that my identity is wrapped up really in my connection to my God. He says, not only am I a Hebrew, just stay with me, just stay with me, please, just stay with me. He says, not only am I a Hebrew, I'm identifying to you who my people group really is. It's beautiful because oftentimes if, 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 if you don't know anything about the, the geographical map at this point, of course, when you think about the Hebrew people, there's a centralized place that you could look to in terms of Canaan's land, right? You, you, you look at that region right there, but by this particular point in time, the Hebrew people had already begun to pervade and, and, and live throughout the then known world even back then. 
And so it's not that, okay, well, Christians are only found in the U.S. or Christians are only found in the Caribbean. That term Christian means I'm a Christ follower wherever I am in this world. So you ask me where I'm from, I'm telling you who I am based on my connection to people. I am a Hebrew, I am a Christian. But even beyond that, I am a Christian because of the God that I serve. I am a Hebrew. That's what, that's what Jonah was saying. I am a Hebrew because of the God that I serve. I am a Christian. You are a Christian because of the God that we serve. That service is an active service. And the reason why I say this is because there are a lot of times we find ourselves making the association, well, I know God and I believe God knows me, but it's an active service and relationship that ought to be in existence. So the mere fact that Jonah could conclude, I am a Hebrew, I know who I am, and the mere fact that Jonah could say that I serve, do you really? Isn't that what Jonah said in verse number nine? I serve the living God. That's an active word that talks to an ongoing existence. But in the boat, in the middle of the ship while he was dead asleep, was Jonah serving God? So you could say who you are, but living that out is something else. You could say you love until it's time to show forgiveness. You could say you're a child follower until it's time to turn the other cheek. We've become so smart mouth and so crass in our thinking that we, we've allowed the world to, to take over the concept of turning the other cheek. Turning the other cheek, let me do this way. Turning the other cheek is these cheeks we're talking about. Not the other set of cheeks that we call cheeks. But we've become so cheeky and we, 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 we you, know, you know what I mean? It's, it's the meme world that we're living in. So, so when God said, turn the other cheek, we, we've gone from this, this sense of giving our face to, to this crass imagery of turning our behinds. And what we're actually doing when we're saying that is, when we say, I'm I've turned the other cheek, hope you don't find this too crass now. When we actually say, I'm turning the other cheek, what we're actually doing is we're saying, I'm not really truly in submission to God's will and way. I will do it my way. So turning this cheek is me going to let you have it. Turning, turning this cheek is me saying, I will say my peace. But when Jesus was talking about turning the other cheek, he was saying, listen, don't allow your reaction to be that that is physical, but allow your action to be that which is reflective of that who, of, of a person who is spiritual. So we have all these adages and we have all these things, but I need for us to see this, and we'll go on really quickly. I need for us to see this, that Jonah helps us to understand that our identity is really wrapped up in our purpose and our connection with the God that we serve. And probably, just probably, just maybe the reason why many Christians struggle is because we have yet to really truly understand and embrace our purpose. 
purpose is such a heavy thing. I, I might just have to stop on this point because I really don't want to go over time, but purpose is such a powerful thing that if we, if, 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 we, if we aren't careful, we could think that purpose has to do with things in this physical world. And so for some people, their purpose, as they might see it, might be to uh, be a sport personality or to become a painter or a businessman or what have you. And so we wrap our purpose up, really, in these physical attributes or, uh, or, or things in life. When really for the child of God, our purpose is singular in nature. For the child of God, for the believer, for the man and woman of God, our purpose is singular in nature and there is no sway from it. Our purpose is to give God glory and give people hope. That's our purpose. Everything about my life, how does it bring glory to God? Because my purpose is to give God glory. That's our purpose. As a child of God, it's your and my purpose to give God glory. Everything else is an overflow. Because if I am a Christian, and at the core of my identity is my connection to God, then it means now my job is the thing that becomes hyphenated, so I'm a, I'm a police officer or a Christian police officer. I'm a Christian teacher. I am a Christian sportsman or, or sport. You see in it now, I'm a Christian is at the core of who we are. So our main purpose, if not dare I say our only purpose, is to give God glory while giving people hope. Let's get ready. I, I, I want to be done. But before I'm done, let me just read this text into your hearing. If you don't mind, come with me into the book of Matthew chapter 16. I want to do this really quickly. In Matthew chapter 16... where we find identity. Jonah teaches us that our identity is wrapped up in purpose and relationship with God. To not understand that relationship would be to falter in recognizing and seeing our purpose. In other, way, in other words, the only way we could come to terms with understanding and appreciating our, our purpose is by first recognizing the connection that exists between us and our God. In other words, God is the one who reveals to us our purpose. <clears throat> However, there are times when we allow people, when we allow men, man, to speak into our lives and sometimes obscure our very own identities. We, we lose sight of who we are because we allow the world to tell us who we are. In the book of Matthew chapter number 16, reading from verse number 13, it would say, uh, from verse number 13, when Jesus came to the coast or the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said unto him, Some say that you are John the Baptist, others say that you are Elijah, others claim that you are Jeremiah or simply one of the prophets. So Jesus would turn to his disciples and he would ask his disciples, Tim, like, what are people out there saying about me? Who do people out there think that I, the Son of Man, am? And you recognize as you move down to, to verse number 14, they all got it wrong. They didn't identify who Jesus really was. It's amazing because the world, if we're not careful, would see things 
about us. The world, if we're not careful, know some things about us, but they would get our true nature and character wrong. Because we judge based on what we could see. And we have good memories when we want to, to have good memories. There are people in this world, in this life, that will not let you forget things that you did when you were seven years old. There are people in this world, even sadly in the church, that will not allow you to forget a mistake you made. There are people in this world who would forever try to define you based on a moment in your life when, when you had that rebellious time as a teenager or in your early 20s or early 30s. You're, you were going through your midlife crisis. There are people who will never let you forget and they would forever identify you as the person who made this misstep. So Jesus is trying to say to, to his disciples and he's trying to say to us, and I, I, I'm telling you, I'm done. He, he's trying to say to us that if you allow the world to define who you are, if we allow the world to define who we are, Parents, can I just talk to our teenage, teenagers for a little bit? Would you mind? If, if, if you allow the world to define who you are, you will never get a clear view of who you are as a person. Because the world is confused. Rolanda, I need to bring out my cup. The world is confused. If you try to let the world define your gender, the world is confused. If you try to allow the world to define your character, the world is confused. If you try to allow the world to define how you should live, work, and be, I'm telling you, the world is confused. They couldn't get Jesus right. So then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter stands up. I, I don't know if he, if he popped up out or I don't know how he did, but the scripture says that Peter stood up and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That says something. That says I don't just know your name, Jesus, but I know your purpose, Jesus. I don't just know your name or of you, Jesus. I know why you are here. I know you, Jesus. Too many times we have Christians who just know of Jesus, but have yet to truly experience Jesus. It's interesting because as he says that, Jesus says, Listen, flesh and blood didn't reveal this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Could, just could I be done? Could, could you stand with me? I'll, I'll be done. Could I just say this? Jonah teaches us that if we have to appreciate our identity, then our identity must be wrapped up in our relationship to God as we seek and, uh, and understand our purpose. But then Jesus teaches us that man can't help us truly understand who we are. That comes only by revelation of God himself. In other words, don't let the world define you. Don't let circumstances define you. Don't let hate define you. I'm talking to somebody right now. Don't let situations define you. Don't let the externalities of life defined you. You are more than just a businessman. You are more than just a doctor. You are more than just a lawyer. You are more than just a student. You are more than just a son. 
You are more than just a daughter. You are more than just a husband or a wife. You are more than these things. If you are a believer in God, you are a Christian. Let me be done. Joe, David, make your way up. Don't let man define you. But let your identity come from God and God himself. You're not a failure. Even when people close to you think you are. You're not a failure. Even though you have done some things in your life. Because God says, I've sent my son, my only son, so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. If there's any prayer requests, prayer requests please come forward. Mm-hmm. Ask to get a